everyone. This is episode 705 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, January 23rd. <laughs> I don't know where I got that number from. 31st, 2020. I am your host, Mark Kuznez, and today I've got a lot to talk about. I've got some It Came From Space and Ate Our Brains. That's all one game, one title for one game. Music Racer, Coffee Talk, 7th Sector, Demons with Shotguns, Soccer, Tactics, and Glory, Sisters Roy Al, Leisure Suit Larry, Wet Dreams Don't Dry, and Pillars of Eternity 2, Deadfire Ultimate Edition. And that's it. But that's a lot. Isn't that a lot? I think that's a lot. There's also a bit of news to touch upon, basically going off of last week's episode where I talked about Apex Legends Season 4. We got some more details. I think the video came out either over the weekend or the same day that I posted the last episode on Friday, but they put out a short little video. I think it was about a minute and a half of Forge being interviewed and about a minute of the way into the video, you see this other character creeping up behind him. I don't remember if the interviewer was saying anything to him like, uh, there's someone behind you. You might want to turn around. And you see this thing pull out a blade or turn his hand into a blade. And then he goes to stick it, stick it into Forge. And it cuts to the interviewer and a bunch of blood splattering on her face. And then it like cuts and it's like, oh my god, what just happened? Forge is dead, that's what happened. That stupid, ugly design was always meant to die. And I can't be happier. Uh, some of the cool stuff though that they did. Like I like the fact that they did this fake out and made it seem like we were going to get this shitty looking hero. Even though I think the way I heard him described in terms of his playstyle sounded cool. But it also sounded very like, how is this going to work? So kind of makes sense that he isn't going to work because he's dead. But one of the things I really liked is that after they put out that video and the, the interview was taking place at like the train yard. I'm not sure what it's called. Uh, I think it's the refinery. Uh, I, I, for whatever reason, I don't remember the names of all the areas of the new map, which I don't even know the name of the new map. I still remember Kings Canyon, but for whatever reason... The new map is uh, something that's eluded me, the, the name of it at least. But um, I think it's a refinery, which is just past the, not epicenter, and it's not called epilogue. There's not an area called the epilogue, but like the stupid area that I hate that people like to go to, but I, I think is Garch. I think it's the epicenter. But um, Forge's death box showed up in-game after that video went out, and... Inside his death box is a unique charm that you can unlock if you loot his death box, which is really cool. And I, I don't think it's just one person can loot it per game because I'm pretty sure that my teammates interacted as well as me. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I was like, as long as me? I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. But um, I think that's cool. I, I like this kind of storytelling, even though I'm not that invested in the lore of apex i think it was fun to have that fake out with forge and now we have revenant who is assumedly the real legend but who knows because some commenters were like he really doesn't seem like a team player and revenant is a fully robotic thing that used to be human so i'm guessing he may have the brain of a human and you see this when uh, he is looking in a mirror. He still sees his human self. So he definitely has this disconnect between 
his his physical body and his mind, uh, which is kind of tragic. But they released a three or four minute uh, cinematic cutscene, which looks really nice. I like the visual style of it. And it showed him going on one of his hits because I guess he's like a hit man. And he kills a bunch of people, including his target. And the target's daughter is still alive. And it cuts, it, it ends on her with a very unhappy face. Not like I'm very sad. It's like, I'm going to fucking kill you, Revenant. So I don't know what that means. If it means that she's going to become a legend or like that Revenant in game in this time is much older because he's just a robot. He's not going to age than that particular hit. But it makes it seem like, well, that legend or that little girl is going to become a legend. But what does that mean? That what we saw was in the past? Because it can't mean that she's going to become a legend in 20 years when we're still paying it playing apex legends because that would be weird she wasn't an, an old girl she's probably like 10 years old or something but i'm getting more and more excited for season four i i, I want to see how they handle things i, I really want to see one how they handle the map and being able to hopefully switch between the two i want to see how they handle maybe adding some new permanent modes i would they just need to add duos there are so many of us who would really love to play duos permanently because we may only have one regular friend who plays the game and it's nice just being able to play by ourselves and not have to worry about a third who may or may not be good and may or may not be up to following the same strategy that we do uh, and, and not feel like okay well we're always going to be at a disadvantage because our third is stupid or they die right away and then quit out. And then it's just us against a lot of full teams of three. So I'm hoping that they, at some point, give us more options. It's nice having more options as a permanent thing, not just in these events, which are sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes horrendous, like the third person mode. But um, yeah, that's enough Apex Legends talk for today because I have so many games to talk about. And I'm going to start with, it came from space and ate our brains. I don't know why I said it like that. But it came from space and ate our brains is a voxel-based, uh, uh, visual speak, uh, speaking of the visuals, uh, twin-stick shooter that feels very much so like Left 4 Dead, but in a twin-stick shooter type of format. Because the way it works is that there are four or five campaigns that are broken up into... I think four sections, if I remember correctly. I went through the first campaign, which is on the rooftops, and you have to go through each campaign to unlock the next one. And I played it on normal. There is local co-op for up to four players. No online co-op. There's also a survival mode, and I think that's it. I think the, the third mode was just the tutorial. It doesn't initially put you into the tutorial. And I played the game the 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 rooftops campaign through to the finish without dying it's it was very easy even on normal mode and i enjoyed it but i do wonder what kind of legs it will have because unlike a left for dead or other similar games there aren't at least in the rooftops and i would assume that it's not going to change with the other areas there aren't any kind of special zombies and they're not really zombies they are these space alien monster things that are basically like 
black ghosts with hands, I believe, and just no eyes, but these giant mouths that are they? they what are they? Uh, they look like the the furnace from Home Alone. <laughs> I don't know why I went there, but I did. Uh, they they look really good. I I really like the visuals. I, I am a fan of voxel based art, voxel ish art uh, when when done well and when it has a really nice lighting uh, system in it and it looks pretty good. And the, the mechanics shooting wise, the feels pretty good. There is a really solid. A uh, bit of satisfaction that comes from upgrading your weapon. So you start off with a basic pistol, and then you can purchase weapons via currency you gain from destroying certain objects in the world that may drop currency, and from killing enemies who will give you currency for every kill. And the weapons at your disposal are the pistol. Then there's like a Uzi machine gun thing, a laser rifle, a rocket launcher, a shotgun, and a plasma rifle, I think. There may be one other one, but I focused on the shotgun for my first playthrough. You can upgrade them up to four times, and each additional level made it more and more satisfying, and the shotgun felt really good. I like the fact that when you upgrade the weapons, they not only do more damage, but the way they sound is amplified when they make contact with a, an object in the world or an enemy it sounds chunkier at least with the shotgun and that's what i want out of the shotgun i want it to feel heavy and like it's doing a lot of damage and that's how it felt it was a very satisfying shotgun right from the start when i first got it and then as i upgraded it more and more it just felt better and better and sounded better and better and that's great every time a game has a really satisfying shotgun it, it, it's good. I don't like the rocket launcher, but there there are occasional upgrades you can find in the world. You can find little power-ups that will give you like a shield, a, a med kit, uh, a turret, these beams of light that will surround you and rotate around you and kill enemies for you. But you can also find occasionally powered-up weapons, which are a nice way of letting you try out more advanced versions of weapons to see if Maybe you want to try out a different weapon either in that playthrough or maybe in a successive playthrough. And I got at one point the laser rifle, I believe. Not fully upgraded, but maybe like level 3. And that thing, when it was leveled up, felt a lot better. It, it was really satisfying. It's also nice that you don't have to worry about reloading or ammo management. You have infinite ammo for all the guns when you unlock them. And you never have to reload them. And I think that's really why the game is super easy. Because you never have to worry about that. And the enemies aren't that aggressive. They're not ever that fast. They just get a little bit bigger. I think they're like either three or four levels of size when it comes to the enemies. You have your basic ones. And you might have ones that are a little bit bigger. And then ones that are kind of a bit bigger. And then when you get to the final area and the rooftops, you had to destroy this monster alien egg and they kept throwing in waves of enemies at you i was never overwhelmed in that section and they did occasionally throw in these giant monsters who took more of a beating but it was a breeze to get through and i think that is a bit of a problem and just that yes i was playing on medium so i was playing on the middle difficulty but it was really easy and i was just playing by myself so if you're playing with a bunch of friends it could be 
a cakewalk even on the hardest difficulty and the fact that there aren't special monsters that do unique attacks. So they can only hit you if they actually touch you. None of them have any kind of projectile attacks. So as long as you keep a moderate distance from them, you are always good. And I think that's where it really makes it super easy to just get through the game. They don't have any abilities, like they can't do a dash attack at you or anything at all. So it's just like, okay, stay a little bit away and you're good. Uh, but I, I liked playing it. Uh, like I said, the upgrade system for the guns is very satisfying. I like the look of it and it feels good. I just don't know if it's a game that I will come back to often outside of maybe deciding at some point, you know what? I want to get all the achievements in this game. I could maybe see that happening because it is fun to play, but it's the kind of game that would definitely be very well suited for a podcast game or, or something like that. But I will say I, I haven't played the other campaign, so I don't know what that music is like. I really, really, really like the music of the rooftop uh, section. I think it it really added to the atmosphere and wasn't super in your face. It was, it was nice, subtle, uh, a good undertone for the, the experience. I really liked it. So moving on, Music Racer is a, it's not a rhythm-based racing game reminiscent of Amplitude or what is it on the PC, Audio Surface, stuff like that, because you don't really have to hit the notes and there's even a Zen mode where you don't have to worry about running into obstacles. So the way Music Racer works is that it has, and I'm playing it on Xbox One, it has a PC version where I think you can actually use your own MP3s and it'll procedurally or just randomly generate a, a level based on the music, which would be great and, and something that I don't think we'll ever see on consoles because I just like maybe there'll be a way to, I don't even think there'll be a way to integrate Spotify or something. I, I know they're like working on a way to integrate YouTube videos and YouTube music, I guess, but I, whatever. The the included music, which is 23 tracks, is pretty good. There are some not great songs in there, but overall, it's a lot of electronic music that sits this uh, suits this type of genre well. And the way it works is that in the normal mode, you're just going down these tracks and notes if you want to call them that will show up on one of three lanes and you just switch between them to hit these notes uh, while avoiding obstacles in the form of like beams uh, the pillars that show up every now and again and if you hit a pillar the music doesn't I, the music like uh, muffles out for a little bit and, and then returns but the weird thing about the game is that there is no feedback on hitting the notes. Nothing. The, the The feedback of the game or the way the game changes is that it will become really fast or the, the screen will start shaking violently if the music, if the pace, if the tempo builds up and it gets much quicker. And, and like it, it looks great. It's an incredible experience, uh, audiovisual experience. It's a, a sight to behold. There's so much going on on screen. If you have photosensitivity issues, fucking don't play this game because you will die. You will literally fucking die because there is so much going on screen. So many colors, flashing colors, particle effects, screen shaking, lights. Like it's, it's, There's just so much on there that even I thought to myself, man, if I keep playing this 
for an extended period of time, I think I might get a headache because there is just so much going on. And the, the weird thing is that there's just there's no feedback. You can turn on. I, I found out that if you go in the settings, it's default to off along with blur, but there is a, a sound effect thing which is just turned off. And I was like, hmm, what does this mean? And I turned it on and then I play the game I'm like, oh my God, I know why this is turned off because the feedback that that gives you if you turn it on is just a weird sound like somebody is tapping a muffled microphone. It's It sounds horrible. It is one of the worst bits of audio feedback I've ever heard. And I immediately quit out of the level and just turn it off so that I could just play through the level and enjoy the music and the visuals and the ride and all that. Uh, and like I said, there's a Zen mode that just removes the pillars, uh, a hard mode where if you hit a pillar, instead of it just muffling the sound and resetting your combo will end the game entirely. And then there's a, I think it's called cinematic mode where you can just watch the car of your choice go down the road and move the camera around, which is cool. It's fun because it, it, it's a very visual game. It's not so much a game about uh, getting a high score or anything like that because it doesn't keep track of your high score or your highest combo or anything like that, which is going to really disappoint some people and turn people off immediately. And I get that. It, it's 7 bucks. It's not a lot of money. And the really thing or the, the thing you are playing the game for, the reason why you're playing it and collecting the coins is that you have every song unlocked at the very beginning, but you only have two areas. And the areas don't give you new songs. They just give you a new theme to drive through. And there are, I don't know, four, five cars unlocked at the very beginning and then maybe 20 more of those which you can unlock that are uh, a lot of them based on cars from pop culture so there's a delorean there's a there's the night rider which they like just called the night rider there's a light cycle a santa claus sleigh which costs the most of anything in the game including the levels and the basic thing you're doing is playing through the game to unlock to get this currency that so that you can unlock these cars and levels and yeah it's it's a game that I could see myself going back to again and again and again if I had the ability to import my own music. But I think once I unlock everything, I, I don't think I'll ever go back to it because there isn't a challenge there. I, I find it more enjoyable to just play the Zen mode where I can go after the notes and not worry about hitting a pillar and while I, I really like the look of it, I, I'm going to get tired of the music, I'm sure, at some point. Because it, it doesn't have any standout track. I, I haven't heard all 23 of them, but I've heard a good chunk of them. And it doesn't have any standout track like we had in Frequency or Amplitude, like the Freeze Pop stuff or, or things like that. Some of the songs have vocals, but a lot of them are just music. Um, but I like it. I do think it's worth checking out if you look at the game and think it looks interesting because for seven bucks i think it's you can get more than uh enough enjoyment out of it and yeah i like it i just think a few things could have made it extra special like if you hit the notes and maybe it did a little bit of an audio not an audio but a screen shake or something um uh, but yeah the, the the notes don't feel entirely 
like they have anything to do with the actual song. But I, I do like the way that the, the track works with the music where it'll pick up and get faster and, and turn in certain places with the, the, the music. It feels very, um, like, it, like it fits very well. The, the one problem I'll say too, uh, you may be able to hit every note on a map, but I will 100% never be able to do so. When you are climbing up a hill, it's very hard to see where the next note is coming from. The track is somewhat transparent, maybe like you know 50% opacity, so you can see a note when you're climbing up if you look through it, but it's not uh, the, the easiest thing to do, especially when there's so much shit going like there are some levels where there's just so much going on screen and, and lights and flashes and everything that even when you're going down a straight line, it's hard to see where the hell the, the notes are going to show up. But as a interactive screensaver, it's incredible. I, I had a real good time with it. I just, I, I wish there was a way to put your own music into it on consoles. Um, but like, I don't even know if you can, put your music on a console these days. I don't know if they give you an option to just like dump stuff. I, I think you can maybe put it in like Dropbox and then put it in the game if the game had an option for that. But I don't, I don't think there's a way to just take music, put it on like a an, um, USB drive and then put it on to the hard drive or anything like that these days. But uh, yeah, that's Music Racer. Coffee Talk is a... Uh, visual novel, I guess, where you occasionally make a cup of joe. And I played about an hour and a half of it. It's got really nice pixel art, solid writing, and interesting characters. The thing is, I, 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 it's just, it's all story-based and writing-based and occasionally make a cup of coffee. But from what I can tell, you don't really have any say in how these people's stories play out. You don't have any agency in the story. You can't push them in one way or another. All you do is listen to them as they talk. And then occasionally, usually when they first enter the coffee shop, you'll make them a cup of coffee or tea or milk, whatever they want. They'll either tell you exactly what they want or say, I'm in the mood for something a little bitter and a little sweet. And then you have to figure something out from the selection of recipes you already know or maybe try something different yourself and the the act of making the coffee the drinks is pretty simple with lattes and i think other drinks that might be foamy you can do some latte art which is fine i guess um i am really bad at it and I look at it, I'm just like, this is garbage. I would never be good at this. I mean, I'm sure in real life it feels very different to do that. But in the game, I am a terrible latte artist. I am just the fucking worst. I'm just like, how are, how are these people not being like, what the fuck did you just draw on my drink? But the thing about it is that I purposefully gave people the wrong drinks, the things that there are, are nowhere near what they wanted. And they were just like, well, this is okay, but this isn't anything like what I wanted. And then I'm like, oh, 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 I'm sorry, I can make you a new one. And they're like, oh, it's fine. And then the conversation just continues for whatever, 20 minutes when they're talking to some of the other people at the 
coffee shop or to somebody that they're going to meet or maybe to me. And while I enjoyed the conversations and all that, I wish that I had the option to say something or to pick what I was going to say as opposed to just seeing it all play out with no ability to interact with it in any way. That's the thing about a lot of these visual novels. Like I want more choices in them. I want to feel like I am part of the story and not just watching the story play out and being able to make a cup of coffee every half hour or so. Because once everyone's entered the, the shop, and they usually enter it pretty quickly. It's just like nobody's asking for a second cup. Most of the time, I think maybe one person did. But yeah, it's a, a game definitely worth checking out. I like the look of it. I think, it, you know, like I said, it's got a solid story with solid characters. But the little bit of interaction isn't all that exciting. Putting these cups of a joe and what have you together, you you give it like two bases and then one secondary. So you fill it up with three different things. You're like, oh, coffee, coffee, coffee. is an espresso, coffee, chocolate, honey is, I don't know what the hell it is. But it's it's a drink that you can make. And that's all fine. But I want, I want more to do than just making drinks every now and again. So that was a bit of a disappointment in that sense. Seventh Sector is a game where you play a little ball of electricity and you are traversing this world through wires and I only played a little bit of it but I liked what little I played Uh, you can jump from wires if they're close enough you can turn electronics on and off you can make things explode if you uh, put too much electricity into them there are eventually these other bits of electricity that you have to avoid or you'll be thrown back to the latest checkpoint. The checkpoints seem pretty um, forgiving. And yeah, uh, I I don't know where the story is going, but I'm very intrigued by the game. I I think it's got a good look to it and it's a different type of platformer if that's the genre you want to put it in, despite the fact that you're not jumping. I I don't know what platformer means if platformer does solely mean jumping i've never looked at the actual genre description it's like oh it has to be jumping or if it's just you know getting from one place to another by whatever means your in-game avatar whether it be a bit of electricity or a a, a fox or a human gets there by but um my first impression with seven sector is pretty good i'm enjoying it and it's a game that at some point, I would like to just sit down and get through. I don't imagine it's very long, but uh, yeah. Demons with Shotguns is a game where you play not as a demon, but you have a shotgun. There may have been a, con- con- oh, yeah, a controller, a character you can control who is a shotgun, but I played as a priest, and it's a 2D game that takes place on one single screen, and enemies will spawn in and you kill them with your shotgun. I think it's six waves for just the main mode thing um, per area or whatever. And you can play co-op. You can play versus. And I wasn't feeling it. I put a half hour into it and I wasn't really enjoying it. The shotgun's pretty satisfying, but the actual game, playing it by myself, 
going through these wave base areas, fighting these like witches and then these like hellhounds and other, I guess, demons, actual demons with shotguns. Didn't feel the best. Um, looks all right, but it really didn't grab me, which is a kind of a bummer. But um, yeah, I, I wonder if it would be more fun with another person, but I don't have a regular f- local friend because it's local co-op slash versus only to really test that out with. But uh, yeah, it's, it's very simple and straightforward. There's not much to it. There's not like a campaign or anything really. And the wave-based thing is very simple and straightforward and not that exciting. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the jump because you have a double jump, but you can't double jump if you hit the apex of your initial jump. So if you hit like that top point of the jump, you can't then initiate the double jump there. You have to do it before that, and I don't like that. I, if if you have a double jump, just let me hit that second jump at any point. Just let me do it. What the hell's wrong with you? It, it feels weird. I don't like it. Um, then Soctor Tactics and Glory is a very cool game, and I don't know if there's been a game like this before. It, it looks like garbage. The visuals, when they're pulled back, it doesn't look that great, but the times when they zoom in on the actual players after they score a goal or something, they look really bad. There's some terrible clipping in there where like their eyeballs are glitching out of their face a little bit, but the game itself is essentially soccer if played like an XCOM game, if played like a tactics game, and I don't know if this has ever been done before, but playing it, I'm like, oh my god. This could work for so many other games. Like a football game, uh, an American football game would be great for this because it makes me think of like those old electronic, I guess you'd, I mean, they're electronic, but those like vibrating board games, uh, even though, I mean, you're not really doing anything with them. You're just watching them play up. But like, instead of it being this real-time thing, to have it be this turn-based tactics game actually makes a lot of sense and it's a lot of fun to have it play out and you have your your percentages so you'll have your players and they'll have their various stats they'll be good at passing they'll be good at defending shooting accuracy power whatever um they'll have special abilities like certain players will be able to do a really good through pass and if you are able to achieve one of these special abilities like if you can do a through pass through an opponent and successfully do it you won't lose one of your action points you have three action points per turn to do things so that includes just moving on the field uh moving with the ball taking the shot etc and uh, i put a an hour or two into it uh started a campaign and i enjoyed my time with it it seemed very easy that's the one thing I'll say is that I didn't have a cha- a challenge put into my place. I don't know what the hell that was. Um, but yeah, it wasn't all that challenging. And when I say it wasn't all that challenging, I have yet to have a goal scored on me, which seems really weird in the, the opening like tutorial and in my campaign as I started it. I have yet to have a goal scored on me, which seems weird, but I'll, I'll take it. The, the UI is a bit messy, um, but I like the core gameplay. And in spite of 
other clunkiness surrounding it. I think if you're somebody who think who, who thinks the idea of a tactics-based sports game sounds interesting, it's worth checking out. Uh, I'm not the biggest soccer fan, but I'm having fun with this. It's a nice change of pace from traditional sports games, and I'm I'm interested in playing more of it. Even though I, you know, I have the basic gist of it. It's soccer meets XCOM. Uh, so check that out if that sounds like your jam. Uh, I, w- I would love to see more games like this. Certain sports won't wouldn't lend themselves to this type of style. I can't imagine a baseball game in the XCOM style, but like football, yes. Basketball, yes. Hockey, maybe there's something about hockey that feels like that would be weird. I don't know. Maybe it's because hockey is a constantly moving sport, whereas soccer, you'll have players who like will stop with the ball and then they maybe like kick it back and forth. Whereas hockey, I, we're not like I don't. I don't feel like you have a lot of point, points, points, points. You have a lot of parts, points, <laughs> where somebody just stops with the puck and just looks like, okay, I'm gonna assess the situation and see what I want to do, and then we're just gonna pass the puck back and forth around the the center of the 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 rink. I don't, I don't think that happens too often, but like football and. Basketball, I think, would be so well suited for this. Moving on, Sisters Royale is a shoot 'em up, which is technically a cute 'em up, I guess. I don't know. I heard that term for the first time like six months ago or something, and then I've been hearing it more and more. I'm like, I don't like this. But uh, a cute 'em up, I guess, is where you play as, or there are cute things in the game, and you play as like cute girls in this game. You can choose between one of five of them, and it seemed like the way the story was playing out, I wasn't really paying attention, but when I get to the boss fights, I think I was fighting my other sisters. Um, the weird thing is that there are five characters, but two of them, their main guns are homing guns. Their their bullets are homing bullets. And they, those two, are significantly easier. And it's it's weird that you have these two who make the game so much easier and it's not like these are the easy characters. It's just like they have homing bullets and it means that you can really focus on just avoiding enemy projectiles as opposed to also worrying about your placement in the map in order to hit enemies. Um, I thought it felt really good in that sense. I really liked playing as those ones, the the middle one in particular, who I think was like Etsy. ECE, I'm not sure how you're supposed to pronounce her name, but uh, I picked her because I was like, I like the way you look out of the five. And then I figured out, because there, there's, I think, a tutorial that you can find lower in the menu, but I just jumped in the game and I wasn't sure how the controls work, so I accidentally used a bomb right away. I feel like that is the case with every shmup. If you don't know the controls and you are just going to wing it, the first button you press will always be the bomb first and foremost because it just is like par for the course to waste a bomb when you are first trying out a shmup. Um, But when I got to the regular guns, I was like, what are these bullets doing? Why are they homing? Did I turn something on? And I switched and tried some other characters and they weren't homing. I'm like, okay, it's just that her bullets are homing bullets. They're guided bullets. They will just go after the enemies. This is weird and I kind of like it. Uh, 
but um yeah i i don't know how much i'll go back to the game once i finish it but i enjoyed it i really liked the song of the first area the second area wasn't as good but it's still good like the music's pretty good um it's got a decent look to it but yeah i think it's weird that you have a few of the the heroes or whatever you want to call them have these homing things that are just <laughs> that make the game so much easier um and then leisure suit larry wet dreams don't dry played it for like a half hour i really like the look of it but the humor just doesn't work for me it does a lot of things where it takes things in our world and then just changes it to changes it to be kind of cheeky so instead of instagram you have instacrap instead of the burning man festival you have the scorched dude festival all these jokes just didn't land for me and i was like like eh. i am not somebody who's that 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 familiar with the leisure suit larry series from a personal experience standpoint i know of it of course but never played the original point and click adventure i i think tried the very well-known horrible 360 game box office bust i think it was called which was like a 3d action platformer um but I've never really played one of the point-and-click adventures. And as a point-and-click adventure, it feels fine. It's like every other point-and-click adventure game. Uh, you move around, and then you interact with objects with your on-screen cursor. You can look at them. You can interact with them. You can talk to people and have a bit of a, a dialogue with them where you can choose uh, your own dialogue options, which is nice. But the problem is, <laughs> I played it for half hour, maybe 45 minutes, went away, and I was like, I'll come back to this later. Came back, and I was like, okay, I want to continue, and I couldn't scroll up to the continue. Does not autosave. So if you are interested in Leisure Suleri, Wet Dreams Don't Dry, um, know that you have to save the game yourself, or you will lose all of your progress. And... That makes me way less interested in returning to the game. Um, it doesn't help that I wasn't really feeling it. The humor just isn't for me. Uh, and the puzzles of it weren't like, oh my god, these are, these are so interesting that I can get past the fact that I don't really care about what's coming out of any character's mouth. Uh, you know, just a lot of obnoxious people that I wouldn't want to spend any time with. Um, yeah, just not my type of writing, not my type of humor. And not auto-saving really <laughs> annoyed the hell out of me. And then I played a little bit of Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire Ultimate Edition, which just came out on Xbox One recently. And it's a, a game that requires you know dozens and dozens of hours to get through and really talk about it in any kind of substantial way. But I played about two hours and... I liked it. I, I was a bit taken aback when it's like, okay, you have these two options for combat that you can go through. You can do turn-based or real-time. The real-time is the way it was intended, like the way it was initially made with this type of comment in mind. And I thought that meant that it was going to play more like Diablo in an, in an actual action RPG type of sense, but it's not. It is still cursor-based, so you don't have any actual control over your character or characters in your party you just have 
them. You can select them individually or select them as a group and then tell them to go after this area, whether it's, you know, interact with this object, attack this person, and so on. When you first run into an enemy, the game will pause and give you a time to assess the situation and, you know, tell what characters to do what uh, in the real-time real time mode. I think I would want to restart it because you can change some of the settings after you've already started, but you can't change from real-time to turn-based once you've started the the campaign, the, the game, which makes sense. But I think I'd rather play it as a turn-based game. But um, it looks pretty good. It doesn't look amazing or anything. Their story seems interesting you know i've only scratched the surface of the score the story though um you know comments fine i i made plenty of people explode which is something that i feel is very expected in games like this it is a what is the term for it like the abolish gate in those type of games it's not ccrpg right that's like collectible card rpg I forget the name for this <laughs> particular subset of RPGs, but um, I like it. It's good. It's it's nice too because if you've played the re-releases, the enhanced editions or whatever of Baldur's Gate One and Two, and what was it, Icewind Dale or something, those games haven't aged well visually. They haven't really upgraded the visual or anything, and if that is something that has turned you off about those games, where like I like these type of games, but going back to those old art styles is hard because they just look very dated, then Pillars of Eternity to uh, Deadfire is the game for you because while it's not a stunning looking game, it looks pretty good and uh, yeah, that 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 is something that I really appreciate as somebody who's gone back and played those other games recently and I was like, these games don't look that great. Um, but like in those games, I, you know, I made some people explode and that was fun. Uh, but yeah, it, it made a good impression though. I was like, why do all these games always start on a fucking boat in divinity original sin two, You start off in a boat. I'm like, God, I don't want to start off in a boat. I, admittedly in pillars of Eternity two, you start off on a boat for like five seconds. Technically you start off as a spirit or whatever. And you're walking down this line, which is a bit tedious as you're creating your character and getting backstory and stuff like that. Um, but then you transition to waking up in your body inside this cabin of a ship. And then you fight a few things. And then you end up shipwrecked like you do in these games too. That always happens. Um, but uh, yeah, that is Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire Ultimate Edition. And that's pretty much it for what I've been playing. So that will do it. Uh, Attack the Backlog. We'll have a new episode up this Sunday. I'm still not sure if it's going to be Hotline Miami or One Piece World Seeker. If you want, you can tweet at me or do anything like that. Leave a comment, blah, 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 with the one you'd want to see first, and that may make me put that one up. Who knows? Um, But yeah, one of those will be up, and then I have finished recording all the audio for all the future episodes. There's a lot in the can. I think this weekend I'll start playing Rage 1. I think that's still the plan. And then I'll move on to A Link to the Past, which will be interesting. But I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to like that because I played it for like 15 minutes just to get a handle of it. I'm like, I like the way this looks. I like the way this feels. I'm into this. Let's go. So 
I think I said all of that exactly one-to-one last episode, probably, or two episodes ago. But, um, yeah, that will do it for this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Mark Cusinez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast and Attack the Backlog, which I just mentioned, uh, which are both available on podcast services across the globe, like Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. If you'd like to check out the video version of Attack the Backlog or other videos that I put up, like some reviews and other stuff and what have you, and a new series that will be coming out later this year, you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage and watch them there. If you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go over to pxsart.com. If you see something you like, click the link and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye and the rest of your weekend. Why do I keep forgetting to wish you a happy Western or your Western wish? Why do I keep forgetting to wish you a happy rest of your weekend? I don't know what's going on anymore, but yeah. Have a happy rest of your day and a wonderful weekend. Damn it. Okay. Bye.